I'm a bit nervous. You nervous? No, not at all. Why would I be nervous? I don't know. First show. Should we get going? Welcome to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Konga. Here's Ryan Hun. Hi, Ryan. Hi, I'm Ryan Hun. Hi. Hi, I'm Ryan Hun. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, great to see you again. How have you been? Uh, I'm okay. Thanks. How yeah, was we... your summer? We've got a lot to cap- catch up on. We've got so much to catch up on. Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, my summer is, first of all, it's ongoing. It's yeah, very it exciting. It is still summer. Yeah, it's still summer. Um, you know, it's been incredible. Apart from getting this podcast going, this is episode one, obviously. There's been a lot of football writing going on. I'm working on this um, football book. A children's biography of Raheem Sterling, which is quite exciting. Yeah, you've been super busy. Yeah, it's been good. It's been good. Um, other bits and pieces. I'm trying to stay in Berlin a bit more recently, but doing a bit of a bit more Bundesliga stuff this year, actually, of which more later. Ooh. Um, yeah, but we'll get into that later. But um, yeah, but let's. How have you been? What's new with you? Uh, all good. In preparation for right. Okay, so listeners to our previous podcast may have been aware that for the entirety of last season, you would drop. References to stuff like Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's And right. I hadn't seen it. Mm. So everyone will be pleased to know that in preparation for this podcast, I have watched all eight seasons of Game of Thrones and every single Marvel movie. Amazing. Amazing. So that's dedication. I'm completely up to date. Although I would clarify by saying I've watched one Marvel movie. <laughs> okay, well, it's the most important one. It's but Infinity still, War. It's still, Infinity War. But so. I still feel like I'm better informed. That's good. Well, I'm glad you've so hopefully you're up to they speed. won't go over my head now. Like a raven. There you go. There's the first one. Oh, it was a raven, right? Yeah, it was a raven. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's good. You're good. So, Dracaris. Musa's about to spit fire. No, no, no. Well, I like that the fire will come later. You're not going to mention your name drop about what you did in the airport. You're not going to mention the name drop. Oh, yeah. yeah. Should we do this? Yeah, you got it. You got to mention that. Okay, Before we right. get into the football, let's get into the name drop. Before we actually explain what the hell this thing is. Yeah. Right. Um. So I was. Uh, the reason it's delayed, by the way, is my fault. It's totally my fault. So I'm really sorry. I was flying back from London, and uh, I was walking through Terminal Five at Heathrow, and there was a a woman maybe 15 meters away from me walking towards me, and I did that thing where I was, I was like. I recognise that person and thought it was someone I knew. So I looked at her and did that thing. You know, when you kind of cock your head a bit as if to be like, oh, we've met. She looked at me and could see me figuring it out. And then I realised it was Lena Hedy, who is Cersei Lannister. That's amazing. I love this so much. Yeah. And I did this proper like, <gasps> and I think she saw me figure it out and stuff. And I was really embarrassed. And then she was on my flight. And it's so weird because you look at them like you recognise them, like you've met them because you see them so often, they're familiar to you, but you don't know them at all. Yeah, but also she looks very different in real life than she did in Game of Thrones, obviously. She's got dark hair, hasn't she, in real life? Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, she's, yeah. yeah. She she's just, she's got cool tattoos and stuff. And so she doesn't look like her character at all. Yeah. But she's still recognisable. But anyway, yeah, there you go. Get her on the pod. Get on the pod, mate. Well, yeah, she was on her way to Berlin. So maybe, I don't know, she's, a, she's from Yorkshire, isn't she? Maybe she's a Leeds fan or a Huddersfield fan. Could or be. some of the other teams. In yeah, Yorkshire. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> let's not get ourselves in trouble with the Yorkshire contingent. Okay, God's County. Let's get God's own County. Let's get into the uh, the football. But what a great name drop and a great Game of Thrones reference. There you go. There we so go. So I'm ahead on the Game of Thrones. Straight references. at number one. Oh, Straight it's like one. a new player. It's like when Demar Derozan added a three pointer. Comes back from the off season. Oh my goodness! He's got you're... new strings to his bow. My God, defying references left, right. All right, should we explain what we're doing? Yeah, let's explain. What we're okay, doing. right. Welcome to Stadio, everyone. Well, this is actually the Stadio podcast. Yeah, it's one of many things that we will be doing under Musa and I's new. I don't know. We we called it a project because I thought it was quite a fun name because I, I don't really like the name platform. Yeah, it's a project. I think project's nice or outlet. Yeah, yeah. project's nice. Um, so. We are doing the podcast. We're also going to start the website soon, yep. which will have some stuff up. Absolutely. And we're also planning on doing a print mag. We are. You know, so basically all of the things that are completely failing, we're about to start new ones. We're going to do them. We're going to do them well. <laughs> and, uh, you know, 
I think basically because we didn't get signed by the Athletic. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's so funny? Like, I didn't even get an email. It was like... They signed Rafa Benitez. It's like being undrafted. You know, it's like like going undrafted. Like, who's that guy in the uh, NBA who basically waited for his name to be called? It never happened. Oh, yeah. Well, this is basically... Anyone familiar with NBA 2K is going to be familiar with this story arc from last year's My Career Mode, where you go undrafted and you have to go to China to prove yourself. And then you think you're going to the Lakers, but you actually are going to the South Bay Lakers in the G League. <laughs> the other thing was so funny because it was like, it was like, there was, it was, what was hilarious about it was, and I'm, I'm only joking because, you know, good luck to them, but it was so funny. People are like on this, um, oh my goodness, like there's, there's, a, there's a, a meeting, there's a meeting place in central London, a hotel, and like journalists are going in and out of rooms and being offered sums of money. I'm like, <laughs> you used to check my spam folder. I'm like, ah, oh, there's no email from the Athletic. It's because like, you live oh. in Berlin. No, it's not. It's not. No, it's not. These these are all amazing writers. Like, come on. These Can are- we just clarify that the, the Athletic has taken a lot of stick already, but and I I'm- have been a subscriber of the Athletic yeah. before it launched in the UK, mainly for NBA stuff. Yeah. And it's super good. It's brilliant. And so, yeah, exactly. Like, look, and yeah. here's the thing. Kind of, look, I'm just joking. Like, all these things, like, I think I even said on Twitter, I was joking about, like, when Thanos snaps his fingers and everyone vanishes. And you know the best thing about that is I understand that reference. There we go. But here's the thing. My point being like writers have been falling off left, right, centre all across the industry. And to have an organisation where writers can actually plan and do long form stuff they love doing, it's beautiful. And I wish that other parts of the industry had invested like this. I wish that NGOs, I wish that foundations were investing in investigative journalists like the Athletics invested in their writers. And I think it's absolutely amazing and good luck to them. And they deserve it. It's amazing who they've got. I mean, like, I was looking across and going, look, when I get my next paycheck in and I've just budgeted for the month, that is my next, you know, my, my fun money, the first bit of fun money is going to that subscription. Are you no in a hurry because they've got 50% off at the moment? I'm all over Hang it. on, let's stop talking about The Athletic. We're not getting paid. They've got enough money. They can sponsor us. <laughs> um, so yeah, so basically welcome to our new thing. And it, a lot of people are asking how it's going to be different from the podcast that we were last on, yeah. the Rabona podcast. Which is still going to ha- carry on, by the way. I think we should probably say that. They're going to do it a little bit differently. Um, I think maybe more based around print issues and stuff. But yeah, keep subscribed, keep checking it. How this will be different is that I suppose it's kind of just us two. Yeah. So we're going to include more features. We're also going to play out on different stuff each week. So we're going to bring more music into it. Get some good tunes out there, yeah. At the moment, we're just going to do it weekly. Yep. And then once... Once everything starts really kicking off, we're probably going to end up doing two a week, aren't we? And I uh, think also, yeah, and also just like guests as guests, well. Guests, loads some, of guests. Yeah, just stuff we hope you enjoy, stuff we hope you get into. We um, can, yeah, we can finally work through our Man United hierarchy slash wire crossover project. Yeah, that's we true, can, actually. We can work that through that. in real time. Absolutely. Um, so should we start with football? Let's start with football. Um, Premier League's back. It is back. What a weekend. It was weird how it came back on Friday. That felt like wrong. Liverpool Norwich felt wrong on a, on a Friday. Why? Was she beef with Liverpool Norwich on a Friday? It was more like, wait, the Premier League's back already? Do you remember used to be back on like the 19th, like the third, we'd be back on the sort of the third week of August. And now it's like... Well, that's, there's an easy explanation there. It's when that? there's a World Cup or European tournament, it's pushed back. Push it back anyway. Let people live. Wow. Headline news, I would say, people really hit the ground running. You want to know what the headline news is? Is that Arsenal have already kept as many away clean sheets as they did last season in the entirety of the league. Can I give Arsenal credit here? Because that's a game, actually. Arsenal might not have won a game like that. Well, let's get real. I mean, Arsenal going away, first game of the season to Newcastle, managed by Steve Bruce, who loads of people just don't think has a hope in hell. That was absolutely nailed on for a home win. Yes, absolutely. And also because a lot of those players that Arsenal have signed haven't trained yet. They're unfit. They're not unfit, but they, they need a bit more conditioning for the match. Unfit feels a bit sort of judgmental. Um, well, yeah, they're, they're, just, not, they're not match fit. Yeah, not match fit. And like, like us, we're not match fit yet. This, this, is, this podcast is very much the equivalent of the first game of the International Champions Cup. Right. Do you know what and I mean? just, like, just like that. We don't that know what game. formation we're going to play. We don't know how we're going to line up. But we still have just, much quality, just and, enough quality to carry us through. And, and what exactly. we're going to look like in May is unrecognisable to today's episode. That's so true. And I think what's impressive about those teams, and hopefully us on this podcast, is that there was still enough quality that you could be like, yeah, like this is going in the right direction. So you look at Arsenal, and unfortunately, like 
No, the bad news is that Henrik Mkhitaryan continues to look as if we're never going to see the Dortmund version of him again. Yeah, that was really strange. He gave the ball away on like Alexi Sanchez levels. We're just never going to see that something again. like more than five times more than any other player in the first half. We're never going to see that side of him again. Yeah, I think it wasn't the biggest story of the weekend, so let's move on quickly from Arsenal. But just briefly, I think um, if Arsenal had managed to sell Mkhitaryan or Ozil, I think maybe Tim Stillman said this on Twitter and I totally agree with him. I don't think Awobi moves. I think they keep hold of Awobi. Right. Um, I think they really wanted to shift Mkhitaryan. Yeah. But just wages and stuff He's like on that. a huge just, amount yeah. of money. But I, I actually tweeted about this. Arsenal's bench was like the best Arsenal bench of all time. I, I'm really excited about Arsenal this season. Actually, there was a question. We had a question about that from uh, Justin Sahani. Hey. Gorilla FC, Mr. Gorilla FC himself. He said, will Arsenal ever inspire again? They're inspiring already. I'd like to say they're inspiring a lot. Hair game this season, very strong. Very inspirational hair game. Do you know what's amazing about Arsenal? Even when they struggle, they've inspired me because Arsenal are one of those teams you want to hold up football's ideals. So when they're struggling, it's not just like, oh, they're struggling. It's more like, oh, come on, Arsenal. Like, you feel this, Arsenal are inspiring even when they're below par because the disappointment in Arsenal. I think until... Well, uh, I think they're inspiring when they're good for Arsenal fans and when they're bad, they're inspiring on a on an entertainment level for non-Arsenal fans. No, actually, I'll go, I'll go, sorry to jump in, but I'll go, I'll go further than that. I think that Arsenal are one of those teams, they're like Ajax. They have to stand for something. And so when they don't stand for something, when they're not like being... If Ajax aren't playing a certain style of football, you're disappointed. When the Dutch went to the World Cup final playing that style, you were like, oh, come on, Holland. Like, and the reason we're disappointed, the reason we go, oh, Arsenal, is because we want Arsenal to be that free-flowing style. And that's a compliment in a weird kind of way because other clubs, frankly, don't have that ethos in the same, the same level. So, yeah. Yeah, well, anyway. Much love to the Goons. That wasn't uh, the biggest story of the week. And what was the biggest story? Of the pro- Man United-Chelsea, probably, right? Can we just say how weird it is that when you have Manchester United against Chelsea on the first day of the season being yeah. managed by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Frank Lampard. Right. So strange. It is strange. And I would say... This is an interesting game. So the 4-0 Manchester United for Chelsea nil, obviously Old Trafford. What I will say is the danger is that both managers will draw the wrong conclusions. Not necessarily managers. Managers are quite self-aware actually, but maybe both fan bases. Chelsea, if they'd scored either those chances, I think Abraham Post and uh, Emerson hit the crossbar or the post. Either of those go in, completely different game. And, and given the way that Chelsea are playing at the time, United obviously break forward, win 4-0. But the gaps in United's midfield are extremely ponderous. You can see where they were pursuing Christian Eriksen because Pereira and Eriksen are worlds apart. And you saw how good Eriksen was breaking down Villa in the late stages. United need an orchestrator like that high up the pitch. United are very thin in defence midfield areas. Uh, and they will get overrun by teams who are better in midfield. They will. So they have a very strange thing. But having said that, you see how Solskjaer, the limited amount of influence he's had in terms of who he's brought in, the fact that he has dispensed with Rojo, Smalling and Phil Jones. They were, they were match fit and they weren't even in the squad. Mm. And he puts Maguire and Lindelof right in the middle. Who should, you know, the, that is a united quality central defensive partnership. And then one Bissaka, a right back. It was a fantastic signing. So you're, you're seeing that Solskjaer actually, I, I said this last, you know, I said this last season on, on a different podcast, on the Rabona podcast, he is a notch below Guardiola Pochettino. That's no disrespect to him, but he still has a lot of savvy. He still knew what needed fixing. And I think actually, if Solskjaer had more leverage in the transfer market, he would have fixed a lot more problems than he was able to fix. Let's not discount the fact that United were not able to attract the players that Solskjaer wanted, I think, because we've been struggling so much. Yeah, I think the key thing is not to go overboard in either direction. But to still about enjoy, that result, yeah, to you enjoy know? it. It was a really good result for United. Because obviously playing someone like Chelsea first game of the season is not easy. No. I thought both teams were really interesting actually though because it was kind of like both teams felt really, really new look. Yes. Like Mason Mount starting for Chelsea and Tammy Abraham starting up front. I love that. The way I'm going to frame this is taking my neutral hat off and putting my Arsenal hat very firmly on. Mm. That's probably the least I've disliked either a Chelsea starting eleven or a Manchester United starting eleven for ages. That's nice. 
they were both quite enjoyable. And they have a plan. Do you know what I have to say? What I like about United is whatever happens this season, there's a plan. And I think actually, you, look, you see why now Lukaku was sold. Because you can actually see that the fluidity of United's front line is something I really like because it's less predictable this way. You don't know who's going to come at you. Yeah, they look way more dynamic. Yeah, much more dynamic. And actually, and this is going to be harsh to Lukaku, but I don't think that he scores the goal that Rashford scores. That beautiful pass by Pogba and the takedown by oh. Rashford. The technical ability of Rashford is off the scale. And the thing has always been with Rashford, the scoring. But Rashford this year, if he can get 25 in all competitions, we're onto something. And also I love, can I just say this as well, not to dwell too much on United because it's a broad podcast, but the advice that he gave to Martial about really poaching in the area and hitting the near post, I love the fact that he's got Martial making runs like a centre forward. Got his number nine back. He does, he does. Oh yeah, I mean United were lightning quick going forward. I mean, like, we are, we, that front quick. three is one of the fastest though. Lingard, Rashford, Martial is, I mean, they can get their skates on. Yeah, it was really good. And Pogba's got this weird thing where you're not sure how quick he is, but he overtakes people. It's really weird, isn't it? He's like, Pogba looks like he's carrying sandbags. He's like, oh, how is he? Oh, because his, his legs almost like unfold. And then he's like, you know why? Gone. Because he looks like it's really easy. He does. Do you know what Pogba is? He's a Sherpa. Do you know I mentioned this? So my friend, um, a friend of mine, bless him, did he departed. Let me pour some out of my coffee. Ian Tootill, a great man, uh, climbed Mount Everest when he was very ill. Uh, he passed away sadly last year. and. Ian talked about the Sherpas and how the Sherpas basically would like, you know, they'd escort people up the side of, of uh, Mount Everest and they would do this all the time. And they'd be like virtually skipping up the mountain and these kind of like sort of Western tourists are like sort of traipsing up there. And the Sherpas are just up and down and Pogba's like that. Can I just say this as well? I've said this before, but Pogba is a classic example of a player who wanted to move in the summer, didn't get it, kept his head down and led that team, you know, really led that team in a beautiful way, actually playing slightly out of position. So yeah, good on Pogba. Um, but let's move on because there's so much else to discuss. Liverpool? Yeah. Can we really draw anything from that? Um, yes, a little bit. Can I say, first of all, most importantly, love the White Sox. Liverpool needed a bit of colour and they've added it to the kit. Yeah, but they're not, they're like half and half. Right? That's the, yeah, but the, I hate to say it, li- the white, my one issue with the Liverpool kit I've ever felt is it's too red. Like you need a little bit of a dash of something else. But most, actually, I'm, I'm being silly. The one thing I will say about um, Liverpool is, and this is a serious uh, point, is... They've done a kind of Pochettino, like they've done a kind of like hipster, oh, we're not going to sign anyone because we're already good enough, which they were. And kind of youngsters, didn't they? And then actually, actually, sorry to cut in, but their most important signing turns out to be an amazing one because he's going to play for the next six weeks. Adrian. Adrian, yeah, that was great. And can I say as well, um, all credit to Liverpool. I never, I know I've always said this, I said this to my, my friends, Liverpool fans, you don't need to sign anyone because look who you've got coming back. Champions of Europe, mate. You've got you've got your champs of Europe. You've got the chemistry in the squad. Divock Origi is now so much more confident, and he's now he's got great you know great feet, great skill, and he's now so much more confident showing that. Oxley Chamberlain's back. Naby Keita's got another season under his belt, and looked really great in the latter stages before his injury in the Champions League. So Liverpool now don't they had all the tools, and the beauty of not signing one new is you don't incorporate anyone new. So you can just keep drilling people. And against Norwich, I mean, some will say Norwich were awful, but frankly, Liverpool were brutal. Mm. What happened to Norwich on Friday night at Anfield is not going to happen to them at too many other places to that degree. There are times when Liverpool are going to destroy teams and they're going to destroy very good teams this year. Someone's going to turn up at Anfield, the good team's going to turn up without a plan or without its discipline and Liverpool are going to absolutely cut them to ribbons. And that Norwich result is not going to look so humiliating. And I think that actually the Norwich manager, Daniel Fark, is going to be like, you know what? We're probably going to lose this. Let's see what we can do. Let's play our style. And what I love about Norwich was they got a goal. They stayed true. They didn't concede after half time. That was a victory. They had a couple sense. of chances as well, actually. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They, yeah. And even, even, even before, I think actually 0-1-0 uh, uh, yeah, had a couple yeah. of really good chances and they rushed a shot over the bar. So yeah, that was great. Liverpool, just, you know, just an amazing team. Um, yeah, Arsenal go there in two weeks. And uh, mm. I've... I, I just hope Arsenal don't get hammered. Yeah, because they're already ready to play you. That's the problem. Yeah. Although, actually, Alisson missing could be a really good thing for Arsenal. Well, it will be a really good thing, hopefully. That's going to be a big loss for Liverpool. Yeah. I remember seeing that and thinking, I know it sounds awful. I saw that injury and I thought to myself, that's already a couple of points. Somewhere, someone on the line, seeing Alisson go down with an injury, it's like, you know what? That, that injury has turned a couple of wins into draws. Mm. You know, does that make sense? Just because the ball circulation that Alisson gives you. Yeah. What a player. What a year he's had. Oh, to win the Copa. Anyway, so. Um, Handsome man. Where should we skip next? Can I just quickly jump in on Brighton quickly? Yeah. Do you know why? Because 
Do you know I love this? Watford, a fantastic team. One of the chasing pack, what I would call the Premier League middle class in the sense of... You need to trademark that. I was going to have that. Okay, the Premier, League, the Premier League middle class, Watford are one of them. Watford, Leicester, Wolves, Everton, the Premier Ooh, middle class. I don't know, Everton might be bumping up a little bit. Well, yeah, I mean, but upper middle class in terms of breaking into that six. And Watford are a team that can take points off big teams. And Brighton came in and just snatched the chain. And what I love about this win was it's exactly the kind of win when they have, when Brighton marked out on the calendar, where are we going to take points? They were like, we're very strong at home. We've beaten excellent teams at home over the years. This is the one. And they went and they executed to perfection. Mm. This to me was really uh, beautiful to see. And that was probably my biggest kind of eyebrow raising oh, result of the, of the first weekend. Cause I was, that's, Mm. I love that result, Brighton. That's a, I just, love it, that. It's an intriguing result that, you know, and they played some really great stuff. I think the thing about Brighton, which is so good, it's like Chris Hewton did an amazing job there. Yes, yes. There's no doubt about that at all. And, you know, they had a really good cut run last year as well. And they needed a new element to that, you know. And I think Graham Potter is a really, was a really shrewd appointment, actually. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of noises coming out of Brighton about future planning and stuff like that. And you could really, really imagine them quite easily becoming a very, very good Premier League side. Well, what was beautiful about it was, and one thing I loved last year was it was superbly coached. We saw some really beautiful um, examples of coaching throughout the league from top to bottom. And what I love about the Premier League now is because there's this huge financial inequality, which I don't love, I must hasten to add, it's forcing people to be more innovative, to look for advantages in other places. And Brighton, a great example of that. Mm. Scoring well-crafted goals from close in. Actually, Burnley as well. We can say that to Burnley too. Burnley really showed something. I mean, Burnley to do what they did to Southampton. Yeah. There's a lot of talk of the back three at Southampton and that being a new thing. But if you look at the goals that Burnley scored, they came down the same channel, really. They came down sort of inside left, or the inside right channel would have been attacking. So that's, an, that's, a, that's a problem for Southampton to solve. Yeah, I do think Southampton will grow into the season. I still think that, um, I mean, we're big Ralph Hasenhutl fans here. We are, we are. Burnley's a tough place to go. You know, it is, and that's a massive cliche, I know, but it is a tough, it can be a really tough place to go for some teams. There was, yeah. I think like, they've hammered Bournemouth there last season, two weeks after Bournemouth had hammered Chelsea at home. Right, right. Or a week after, you know, there was that run of games where Bournemouth were scoring for, shipping for. Like, they do have that ability. But the scoring, that's the thing that got me, the three goals, because Burnley haven't scored three goals that often in the last couple of seasons. They've they ba- they built themselves on a sort of firm defensive base. And it was great to see them playing more expansive football. I'm not criticising Burnley, don't get me wrong. I'm not criticising, I'm saying like... It's a similar thing it, to the Brighton thing. It's, it's like it's you, about, you, when, you, when you come into the Premier League, you have a very, very immediate set of goals and you have to stay in the division. You know, and Sean Dyche got relegated once, got them back yeah. up, kept them up. and now. You know, you start moving the needle a little bit into consolidating well, as a Premier League side and then you can start expanding. It's all growth. You can't, what, yeah. you can't come up from the championship and just play, like play people off the park. It's really difficult to well, do Well, you get that. drilled if you do that. Yeah, if you try and play open, yeah. um, you need to consolidate first. You need to sort of build, build from the strong base. And what I love about Brighton and Burnley is both these results will have made people go, ouch. Mm. Like these teams are going to be a problem. Like Brighton at home, you know they're going to be a problem. Burnley at home, okay, it's difficult, but the degree of the victory and the style of the victory, all of a sudden you're looking at the Premier League now and thinking, ah, oh, these are, um, this is, we've got a work cut out. I, I think just year on year, you see Premier League teams further down the table get much, much better. Yes. And you've seen it with Everton this season, prime example. I mean, they didn't pick up a win on the weekend. I think you would kind of expect them to, yeah. but a lot of the new guys still haven't really come in yet. If they get firing, they remind me a little bit of Arsenal, potentially Arsenal 2.0, where mm. they could be devastating going forward and ship five. Right, you know? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But these teams are, they're deep, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I Way mean, look, deeper than this look been. at Brighton, Brighton, this guy. So um, they bought this guy, Neil Mopé. Mm. It's 20 million pounds, right? That's an eye-raising amount from yeah. Brentford. This guy's a French under 21 international. That is some serious pedigree. Yeah. I can't remember which commentary it was the other day, but someone kept calling him more pie. More pie, more pie. <laughs> he can have all the pie he likes if he keeps playing like that, to yeah. be honest. Um, 
Shall we move on to Spurs? I loved everything about that game. Yeah, me too. Do you know what it reminded me of? That was an Arsenal game I've seen a million times, except at least 750,000 of those Arsenal don't win that game. But that's also a Spurs game you've seen a thousand times. There was a lot of thing about Spursy Spurs. It's like, no, what I love about this game is this is a game that Spurs would have lost five years ago. Mm -hmm. And it would have been a game that if they'd lost it, Evan again would have drawn the wrong conclusions. They would have been like, oh, Spurs are bottlers. No, actually, maybe Aston Villa are just very, very good. Maybe they've maximised their resources because their key players, uh, McGinn. Um, he was brilliant. Yeah, McGinn was brilliant. Great goal. His yeah. finish was really good. The way he sold Danny Rose, that dummy, just before he hit it, was brilliant. And Mings was brilliant yeah. um, at the back. Those two players, not the only great players in Villa's team, but two certainly very much Premier League. You know, the kind of players that you could imagine being poached Mm. or really being pursued more than maybe some others in the squad. And they were brilliant. And Villa, as a team, were fantastic and would have deserved that victory. And of course, if they'd won, everyone would have been like, oh my God, Spurs are bottlers. No, actually, like, Villa just a very good team. And also, first game of the season, first Premier League weekend, maybe the first two, actually, it's not, stuff doesn't settle down. Right. You know, you've got a lot of transition in squads from players coming back late, players who are more match fit than others. Mm. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of turnover. Turnover the right word? A lot of uh, disorganisation, let's yeah, say. Yeah, or yeah, like, yeah. you know, n- nothing's really that settled. Mm. So it throws up results sometimes the first couple of weeks of the season when you're like, oh, That you was know. a really nice game for Spurs to have because it actually gave them a bit of a bloody nose and they showed what they were about. And yeah. the way they scored, the goal, I mean, Ndombele, I'm so glad for him because when you have a big price tag like that, it's always great to sort of step up and show something. And there was a little bit of sort of sarcasm on Twitter. There's, you know, Twitter's social media is like, but it is, unfortunately, social media does drive a lot of narratives. And there was a bit of a narrative about, oh my gosh, his, his feet aren't so quick. He's a bit sluggish. And he really just took control of the midfield. First game of know, the season. I know, these are clowns. I mean, they're ugh, clowns on social media. But he really showed what he was about. Mm-hmm. He showed what a fantastic signing he is and will continue to be. And then Harry Kane is what Harry Kane does. The assassin. <laughs> Who was this player that Madrid had? Um, Butragueño. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. And he just came through like Butragueño. It oh, was that's like. a nice mention. Oh, it was just, oh, the, 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 actually, his nickname was The Vulture. And Kane was just picking the bones. Mm. It's this clean. There's a guy called uh, Greg Jenner on Twitter. He's actually a historian. I, um, he's a. Uh, Greg Jenner, I think he's got like 70,000 followers on Twitter. And shout out to Greg. We were having a conversation on Twitter and I was saying how. I didn't feel like, and this is no criticism, I said, I didn't feel like Kane had a identifiable trademark move just because he was just so good at everything. A bit like Novak Djokovic. Djokovic doesn't necessarily have the most famous forehand or backhand. He just has all the fundamentals. And actually, Greg made a great point. He said, no, what actually Harry Kane has as a trademark is his ability to shift feet and get the shot off with minimal backlift is unparalleled. And, and also, he's an absolute beast it's extraordinary. like he's so powerful yeah unbelievable and he's like I, there was a photo from pre-season which was taken behind harry kane it might have even been on the rabona instagram actually and he is uh you know he likes to wear his football attire quite tight yeah harry kane <laughs> he does he does yeah and he's like very very solid can it's i give him the ultimate compliment actually him and frank lampard because i once saw frank lampard at this football event and it was no one spoke to him because Frank Lampard's actually in person. It's like a tree with a face. He's very, no, he's not. He's very, he's got this incredible aura, Frank Lampard. Of all the people I've seen in football, Frank Lampard has, and he's meant to be like, a very nice guy. Very foreboding, actually. And like, it's a difficult guy. Like, it couldn't be like, you just walk up to him and be like, let's just talk football. And Gary Neville actually was quite approachable in that context. But Frank Lampard, I think it was with his fiance at the time. It was before Chelsea were going to play Barca, second leg of the Champions League or the first leg. It was like some football awards dinner. And I remember standing there looking at Frank Lampard and thinking, whoa, like he's only just over six foot, but this dude is broad. And I will say, I'll give him the, the compliment I'll give him and Harry Kane is they have the physique of like a coffin. Like he looks like a coffin. You look at it from the back, you know, like a coffin has those big, like it juts out. It's like Frank Lampard is like a sort of sarcophagus. You look at it from the back and he's so big and broad and you don't really, you know, Premier League football is, oh, he's six foot tall but you often don't get the dimensions of them. Does that make sense? Until you see them up close. And they're not just like tall, they're like wide and broad. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, actually, on the weekend, I I went to see a a, a Vanarama National League South game with my dad. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dorking Wanderers against Tunbridge Wells Angels. Mm. Even those dudes at that level, they all just 
look like footballers. Right, right. Yeah. It's bizarre. You know, they, they're all like absolutely henge because they're all like that. It's like NBA. Yes. Kyrie Irving looks tiny. He's like six foot three, and his dimensions are like huge as well. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's nuts. It's not they're like yeah. they're, they're a different breed, actually. Yeah, tanks. But yeah, good win for Spurs, and they just look um, like they have this. Even when Villa were one 0 up, oh, can yeah. I can I try a Marvel reference? Is this yeah. going to be all right? It's kind of like when Thor gets his hammer back. Oh, that's is that a good one? Actually, no. I was going. I was going. I was going. No, that's that's good. That's good. The example I was going to use is when you, you know at the end of Infinity War, and you just watch Thanos walking through mm-hmm. the Avengers and just flicking them off one by one, mm-hmm. and it's like they're doing everything to stop him coming, and he's just walking through them one by one, and he's just flicking. Oh, them off. yeah. When what about when they go under the shield in Wakanda? Yes, yes. It's like that. It's just they're just overwhelming. Right. There's just so many. Is that of them. the technical term? The shield. Yeah, they're going to get it's, pulled it's, up it's by like, the dome shield. It's kind of thing. domes. And yeah. you can just, I think Spurs had like 30 odd yeah. efforts on goal. Hey, I'm not going to lie. This is really fun kind of being in on the references. <laughs> it's fun. It's I'm going to have to go watch the other 29 Marvel films now. Yeah, but I think, I think that's the thing. So what I love about Spurs and about Villa is they can both take great heart from this result. Mm. And it's a great fixture for them both to have because realistically, Dean Smith would have thought that there's a good chance we'll lose this game. But the positives are there's no shame in that at all. No, I mean, they're going to do that to a lot losing of teams. to Spurs first game of the season when you've just been promoted is nothing. And yeah, and that, like I said, like you said, there was loads of positives. Absolutely. Um, should we take a quick break? Yeah, let's do it. And then do questions. Of course, let's go for let's it. Let's do it. Cheers. Before we get into questions we're going to do this thing that we're going to start doing every week on the podcast called like a shout out right. we're going to give it a name and we might make a jingle for it yeah so yeah something that we don't talk about in that much length or something that we saw or maybe just kind of give a shout out so let's do that first yeah you got one yeah go on wayne rooney going to derby he's not gone yet though is he well he's going okay. but the reason i want to mention it is because i remember a lot of the commentary around this thing oh yeah wayne rooney's a lot smarter a football man than you think and i'm like what do you mean? He's the architect of some of the best attack that England and the United have seen in their history. And the fact that people are still questioning his intelligence as a football or otherwise is really offensive. And it says a lot of things about the way that like, I think, can I be honest, like a lot of middle-class journalists talk about working-class people, like in footballers in particular. Oh yeah, Rooney's smart and you think. Of course he's smart and you think. Like, like he's built a business empire and that mm. wasn't entirely without, you know, his own now. So I just think, well, Screw you, frankly, and I hope that Rooney does a great job at Derby. Wow. And continues proving people wrong. So yeah, Wayne Rooney at Derby. Nice. Going to Derby, yeah. Right, I've got two things I want to shout out. First one is Hendon FC have got this offer that they're doing, which is a mental health free ticket. It's a really good scheme. Basically, they are offering free entry to any home league game for the season for anyone who's struggling with depression, loneliness, isolation, or any other mental health condition. And it's in place for this season and beyond that. Oh, wow. I think it's a really good idea. And so good. It's a really good, cool thing to do. Uh, you don't have to provide medical, you know, certificates saying that you are suffering from this. It's just a, 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 an initiative. If you are feeling a little bit lonely or suffering from stuff like that, you can just go to watch a football game, which is really cool because one of the main things about mental health is obviously isolation. Yeah, of course. Brilliant. So, so clever. That's super good. The second thing is Katie Wyatt, women's football reporter for The Telegraph, wrote a really interesting piece about Steph Horton who came out talking about period poverty he's not the first time Steph's talked about that as it mentions in the piece but it's a really good read it's a really important issue but also it talks a little bit about you know effects of periods on performance which is a really really important issue and one that doesn't get talked about a hell of a lot and obviously us two as blokes we never experienced that so we can't even comprehend the effect that it could have on performance I mean we've said this before on on the podcast last year on the Rabona podcast that you know get an hour's less sleep, your game could be ruined even right. at the level we're at. So imagine if you have to play football at the highest level yeah. whilst being on your period and stuff like this. It's just like, when I was at university, I, I remember it. thinking when I was at university, there were, I mean, during like major exam periods um, and there were people who, there were women that couldn't get out of bed for two, three days yeah, I mean, because it's the pain the, was, and yeah. that to be have, it's just, it's mind blowing to be yeah. a professional and go through that. So yeah, Katie White, right? Katie, Katie White. Katie yeah. White, yeah. Go and read that piece. It's really interesting. And yeah, definitely something that should be given more airtime. 
great stuff. And this segment we've got where we sort of shout stuff out, what should, what should we call that segment? Should I don't know. Let's think of a name for it. We can come it, up. Yeah. We can, you can, maybe we can get people to suggest it. Oh, let's crowdsource it. And let's yeah, why not, not pay them for their labour. Yeah, no. Uh, so questions. Right. First of all, considering this is the first podcast, we had some unbelievable questions and yeah. loads of them. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. thanks to everyone who sent in questions. We probably won't be able to get through all of them. So what about we'll run through some quick ones? Yeah. Okay. Peter Wilde, what level of performance do you expect from Jaden Sancho this season? Very, very high. Very, very high indeed. Yeah. 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 Next one. Ed Mystery, Ed Kilvert. So I mean, when very, very high just to qualify, he'll be one of the elite players in the league once yeah, again. Yeah, he'll push on again. I yeah, think. he will. He will. He will. He'll uh, score will, more goals. <laughs> will Man City ever lose again? No. <laughs> the scary thing is I can't see at this point. We didn't even talk about Man City. That's how we casual didn't. their 5-0 away defeat, uh, away win on the first game of the season was. Yeah. I mean, I just can't see who they're going to lose to. They, they will, they they will, will be. There will be they something. They will. They will. They, can I see them losing again? No. Will they lose again? Yes. I just can't see who to. Yeah. That's my honest answer. Yeah. Hey, we've got one from Lee Roden. Ooh. Shout out to Lee Roden. Lee Roden, what a great writer on Spanish football. Yep. How seriously should I consider selling off my family heirlooms to afford a trip to the Hamburg Derby at St. Pauli this season? Lee, we, we follow each other on Twitter, so you enter my DMs, if you don't mind, and I'll send you some great recommendations. I would actually say, Lee, I would say, anyone listening to this podcast, if you can get to the sort of Hamburg Derby, St. Pauli versus Highest Foul, make a weekend of it. Book a hotel room. You can get good places, actually, at 60 euros a night if you look, if you look early. There are some fantastic restaurants in that whole area. That whole Feldstrasse area is wonderful. I would just say, treat yourself because it's going to be an absolute joy. Well, I went a little bit further. I checked <gasps> the flights for Lee. Wow. So Lee's in Barcelona, right? He's no, in he's, Barcelona. He's not, he's not. Lee's in Stockholm now. Oh, Lee. Lee's changed the game. He's changed All right, well, if Get the train. Get the train. If, Lee, if Lee, train. Lee was still in... Actually, yeah. Well, get the yeah. train. If yeah. Lee was still in Barcelona, it was 90 euros return. Lee can get the train from Stockholm to Hamburg. Okay, well, there you go. And so many fewer emissions, so an eco-friendly trip. Definitely. Yeah. Well, Lee, well said. Well, you've, yeah, well done. So, Lee, Lee, can I just want to answer your question, Lee? Don't, don't sell your heirlooms. I would sell, actually, maybe just sort of, couldn't you sort of like send your like favourite grandparent out to do some meet and greets and make the money that way? Anyone who does go to Hamburg, though, and goes to St. Pauli, the first derby at St. Pauli is actually on a Monday night this year. Wow, spicy. So I would recommend going to the Golden Poodle. Yes. Legendary underground club in St. Pauli, who actually have like a really good relationship with the football club. Yeah. You see some really, really top underground DJs playing there and it's like 200 capacity. It's, I've DJed there a few times. Oh, wow. I it's love really good. Yeah. It's super good. So what, yeah, what, go what, to the what, Poodle. You, you DJed there? You're a DJ, Ryan. No. Oh, we were listeners, listeners, there's, there's a deep well we could go down there. Let's just dangle I'm that Ryan. Staring out into the distance and saying, that was a long time ago. <sighs> um, the poodle, he says. I haven't heard that name in years. <laughs> uh, one from Arjit. Uh, what do you think of Arsenal's transfer business? Absolutely unbelievable. Raul Sanye, I can't wait for the stadium to be renamed. Can I be honest After with you? Him. It's an A minus. It's the best transfer window they've had since Andre Santos and uh, Yossi Benayoun. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you. It's been brilliant, I think. I think it's yeah, been absolutely and brilliant. And if they manage to move on a couple of players still, which they need to move on, then it's, you know. What right. was really cool about Arsenal, actually, before we move on, we didn't mention it really, but like seeing Joe Willock and Reese Nelson both start that game. Wonderful. First time Arsenal started two English teenagers since 1998-99. Wonderful. Mash St. Paddy. Hey, Mash. This is one for you because I know that you've done a lot of reading on this and I haven't caught okay. the details. Right. Chaps, deep dive on Schalke, please. Okay, let me just be, I don't know how long we've got. I'm going to be very quick with this. I'll try, I can't go as deep for now. And thanks so much, Mash St. Paddy. Such a great uh, support of all our work. So very quickly, for those who don't know what happened, the chairman of Schalke, Clemens Turnis, came out and he was in a meeting. So I think it was a group of lots of Schalke people. And he said, he said, we just go, let's go and build some power stations in Africa because that way it will stop Africans cutting down all their trees and basically like having loads of children because they haven't got any lights to get on with the rest of their lives. So basically his argument was that Africans are so primitive that they don't have lighting. So that's why they're just like breeding uncontrollably. And so some big ex-players at Schalke, Gerald Asamoah, who I think has been coaching at Schalke and Hans Sarpe came out and they were really upset. Mm. A lot of Schalke fans were really upset. They were like, this is racist. So Schalke had a meeting, an internal meeting, 
disciplinary meeting. And a lot of people like, you know, I think Der Spiegel came out and were like, yeah, he's got to be sacked. I think it was Der Spiegel. Um, a lot of big papers came out and were like, you know, he can't really survive in his job after this. And I, sorry, Deutsche Welle were like, we're not sure how he can survive. And he came out and they were like, yeah, he's just t- decided to take three months off. They didn't even suspend him. They were like, oh, he's decided to go away for three months. So basically he hopes it'll blow over. And my take on this, I gave an interview to um, the Munich-based um, publication Sport Eins, in which I basically said, look, the long-term damage to Schalke, the reputational damage on this is huge. They think they're going to brush us under the carpet. But we live in a world where footballers read and they get out and about and they've seen this. And which player of African heritage or black player is going to want to sign for Schalke when the most powerful person in the club thinks that you're like this? Yeah, I mean, it's... Who wants, to, who wants to join a club like that? And you look at what Schalke's reputation has been. You know, it's this club which is, you know, it's, it's, it's rooted in the community. It's a working class club with a great fan base, multiracial, multi-ethnic fan base from Gelsenkirchen, working class people. You know, and this is such an offensive thing. And you look at that and think, well, you feel sorry for Schalke supporters who are progressive and the work that Schalke's done and that's been done in that area to like root out like right-wing elements. And you have a quote like that? it's disgusting and I have to say this on the podcast now I hope that the Schalke people who aren't ashamed by that are ashamed now solidarity with the fans who are progressive and are horrified by this solidarity with the players who want to speak out more I just feel very sorry for those members of the Schalke community who are horrified by this Mm. Um, because a, a chairman is making so much money, continues to make money off their efforts to make that society more inclusive. And I think it's a great shame. And I think it's very dangerous at this point in history for Germany right now, which is doing a lot of work to kind of work with this resurgent far right in terms of like lessening their impact and threat. It's such a dangerous message to the far right in Germany that a, a senior figure can get away with this and not see how offensive he's been. Yeah, I mean, the Bundesliga starts this weekend. Yeah. So it would be interesting to see what the reaction of the Schalke fans would be yeah, and ultras and stuff like that. But yeah. I think this, it's just one person at an organisation like that can do so much damage for an entire down. club. So dangerous. I was asked actually what the impact would be. And I want to say this on the record again. Someone said to me, how's it going to be? And I said, look, there was an argument from within Schalke that the storm will blow over. I said, no, it won't. Because a football club is more than a turnover. It's more than 60,000 people on the terraces or the stands every week. It's a story. A football club is a narrative and the narrative of Schalke now, what are they famous for? They're famous for the UEFA Cup win in 97. They're famous for producing um, Manuel Neuer. I, beyond their, beyond, I mean, beyond Germany. They're famous for that brilliant tie against um, Man City. And now this. The story of Schalke and people look at Schalke. Oh, what are they well known for? Oh, that thing. They've got that chairman. They're going to become, if they're not careful, like Gigi Bacali was for Stoa Bucharest, who'd always come out and make these horrifying comments. Mm. You know, that kind of thing where you've got, or when actually Atleti had that problem with them, Jesus Gill for a long time, this owner who overshadowed what the club was trying to do. And unfortunately now, they've got a chairman with a colonial area level of racism. Mm. You know, so good it's luck It's just to them. such a, like, that comment is just like, what are we doing here? That's another one for the what are we doing here, lad? Scrapbook. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean, cheers for that because I saw the quotes, but I've been away for a week, so I didn't really see much yeah, of Yeah, no stuff. problem, no problem um, Great question. Thank you so much. Buddy. Yeah, cheers, Mash St. Paddy. A couple of quick ones on a more happier note. Mm. Okay, so uh, the Culture Division hey. says, is the Summer of Stadio playlist the best playlist this year? For those who don't know, I did the latest Spotify playlist for the culture division you can find it on spotify i tweeted it musa retweeted it we've tweeted it from the stadio account uh it's kind of like nearly three hours kind of structured like a dj set more summary vibes um to celebrate the launch of stadio so yeah go and check it out um we've got one from i don't know how to say this name but it's s-t-f-n-c-n-g says one for musa oh wow okay right it says best food recommendations in berlin so if you if you want cake recommendations, it's for Musa. Whoa, if you want whoa, whoa, wait actual food, there's I an think ethical, we both need an, to be I've been included asked my best this. food recommendations in Berlin. But do you know what it is? It's like, I don't want to gentrify. I think I've been responsible personally for gentrifying 95% of the restaurants in my area. Wow. Yeah, because I eat at them and then the prices go up. Okay, I'm, I'm, always I'm kind of surprised that those headphones still fit. The consistently best food, I would say, in Berlin is a place called Nil, N-I-L. 
Sudanese restaurant, a chain of restaurants. Oh, that one on Grunbergerstrasse. Standing, yeah, Grunbergerstrasse in Friedrichshain. Friedrichshain. Yeah, it's good, that place. Neil, oh my goodness, that NIL, Sudanese food. Oh my goodness, the quality is next level. I'm not telling you any of mine. Really, you're doing that? You're going there? Interesting. Covering the label. Wow, interesting. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I, 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 well, not that he asked me, but um, Rembrandt Burgers are really good. It's the best burger in Berlin, I think. Rembrandt Burgers, you gave that away. I know. I, wow, I, that's big. These are my little, like, little unprotected the... picks. These are wow. Should okay. we shout out the other ones? Or... No, 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 let's let's not give away the ring of power so quickly. We've given yeah. away some good ones though. These, these are pretty good. Yeah. yeah, Neil's good. Neil's good. Donate and we'll talk. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Get up on the DMs. <laughs> Finish up on this one. Giuseppe Chicharillo. I used to play football with Giuseppe in Manchester. Oh, right. Congrats and good luck to both of you. Thanks, mate. Oh, that's lovely. I think the hot, hottest topic needs to be kits. This is what we're going to finish on this question. <gasps> Top slash bottom three in your desired league. So should we do should we just do Premier League? Because we've done a Premier League this. So maybe we can talk about the other kits when we cover the other leagues. Right. Top three, bottom three, Premier League kits. Arsenal. Which one? The away Arsenal kit. Because it reminds me of the old days of the JVC with the felt logo. That thing was boss. That thing was... The the Ars- and that will remind me the days of Paul Davis and Michael Thomas. So yeah, the uh, the um, Arsenal away kit is. Can I just say props to Adidas, but also it was such a free hit after five years of that stuff that Puma were serving up. All they needed to do was just put white sleeves on a red shirt, and they were and everyone would have just been like, it's "You say home. that, but you still have to it's take it." Home, there. You, you say know. it's an easy hit, but you still got to take it there. Well, actually, there was a really cool thing. I think it was on the Metro about how they condense their research period. That's usually like two and a half years for a shirt into like 10 months right. because of the contract. So they've done a pretty good job, I think. I yeah, mean, I really love the Arsenal kits. I, admit, I have right. to say. Yeah. I do love them. Because can, can I say as well, another kit that I saw was incredibly spicy. I know it's not within the Premier League, but the Barcelona away kit. Oh, oh my God. The oh 73, God. 74. Thank you. Can oh. we talk about that? Thank you. You know what I'm saying? Oh. That. Yeah. That. Take my money. The Barcelona away kit, seventy three, seventy four. I think uh, yellow shirt, blue and red sash. Oh my goodness, oh. that is spiritual. To see Frankie Dion wearing that shirt, that is a special kit. That mm-hmm. one, hey, that is a that's a heat seeker. That is a good one. Um, other kits, um, I mean, those are two pretty strong ones. I would actually say the Barcelona one is slightly ahead of the Arsenal one for me, just because it's so iconic. Uh, I quite like Manchester United's home kit. Now they've gone back to white shorts. Yep, Feels that was right. important. You need that kind of... Um, I mean, my favourite United kit is where you have the white shorts and the white socks and the red shirt. Oh, the Champions League. Yeah, that's my favourite. Yeah. I'm not really a fan of the black shorts, black socks. I don't like that. I like it when they do it for away games when a team has white shorts and they just wear their red shirts with right. black shorts. Arsenal did it once a few years ago when they, they played Fenerbahce mm. away in the Champions League qualifier. And it was the last... I think it was the last season at Nike. So they had that red shirt navy collar round neck with the red and blue stripe on the sleeve right and they wore navy shorts and red socks and it just looked amazing and they never wore it again right you know because Besiktas have yellow shirts and then obviously uh, Besiktas Fenerbahce yellow shirts blue stripes white shorts anyway I think that's everything yeah that's pretty good those are great questions as well episode one done oh my goodness Romeo done I'm gonna have to go and warm down after this I think we do yeah I'm We're sorry definitely not sharp are we ha 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 I'm feeling quite sharp now. I'm not really. um, so yeah, as we mentioned, we're going to play out on a different tune each week. So seeing as we, it's our first one, we're in Berlin. We're going to do some, some Berlin music. We're going to play out on rhythm and sound. No partial. Absolute underground classic. Sounds great. Oh, actually, before we go, we need to shout out our socials. Oh, of course. Right. But, so but now you know we're rusty because that's yeah, what we always do before. Right. right. So at, at Stadio on Twitter, at, at Stadio. Stadio Football on Instagram, and the website is stadio.football. Yes. Which has a lot of links for various podcast things that you can subscribe to I'm no longer Bag or Ryroy on Twitter you're now at Ryan Hun I'm all grown up so you're at Ryan Ryan R obviously Ryan and then like surname H-U-N-N that is my surname correct and, and you're still at Okwonga yeah you can find us on you know where you get all your podcasts the Stadio podcast one thing as well I would say it really really helps us on iTunes um, if you can add a review if you enjoy what we're doing yeah. add a review and just pass on the news, like tell anyone who might be interested, tell a friend, as I once said. Yeah, tell, tell everyone you know to please listen, but also rate and review on iTunes. That'd be really handy. Preferably Absolutely. five stars. That'd be 
such a big help. Yeah, we'd love that. Yeah, thank you so much. We're out in this big bad world on our own, Moose. We are indeed. <laughs> Hold me. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we're back next week. Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. We'll catch you soon. See ya. <laughs>